There he is, our dear friend oh, Colin Blundstone of the Zombies. How are you, man? I'm very well, thank you very much. And you? We are great. Very, very good, sir. Hi everybody, this is Rob Halford, the Rudy Sargent. Hi there, this is Steve Hackett. You folks are just working with a triumph from a talking rock with Dave and Shane. Yay! We are just absolutely delighted to talk with you, of course, uh, the Zombies Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, back with, uh, there's, a, well, there's several new tracks, uh, Dropped Reeling uh, stupid and Stupid. But also there's a, a very lovely song that just came out for Valentine's Day that you just uh, released as well. And uh, back with some new music. And, and you know, we are so excited uh, for this CD and digital release March 31st. Um, and uh, this is fantastic. What, what is it like to the, the album Different Game? What is it like to have new music out at this time? Well, you know, it's really interesting because... I think we're one of the few 60s bands still playing and writing and recording new music. And since Rod and I got back together again in 1999, we've recorded several albums. So although it's always exciting to have a new album released, this is not a new experience for us with this incarnation of the zombies, which, as I said, started in 1999. I th we've either recorded four or five albums, excuse me for being a bit <laughs> flippant on how many, but it's sometimes it's difficult to remember. But of course, it's always great to have a new material out there. And we're, we're full of optimism and just hoping for the best that people will like it. That's what's important to us. We put everything we can into this album. Um, we always well, the last two albums, we've always played live in the album. Lots of energy. We're all playing off of one another. It's it's all new material, and now we just we have to wait and hope that we've uh, we've recorded some some songs that people like. Well, six decades of the zombies. What what goes through your mind when you when you hear that phrase, Colin? Amazing, amazing. <laughs> 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 like like anybody, sort of of us of a certain age, you wonder where all the time's gone. And I, you know, one of my only regrets about the music business is that when we started, it was a, a popular misconception that a band's career would probably be two or three, four years from beginning to end. And I thought that's what I was involved in with the Zombies when we had our first hit record, She's Not There in 1964. I thought this is a wonderful adventure with my pals playing the music I love, traveling around the world. What could be better? But I thought yeah. it would only last for three or four years, and then I would get on with the rest of my life. And I, I think I might have, I might have uh, sort of, you know, done things in a slightly different way if I knew that there was a possibility of a lifetime's career in the music business. It's, it's been an incredible adventure, but it's also been a huge surprise that things have lasted as long as they have. All these years um, and such an evolution in, in sound, but there's that, you know, you you all are part of that that tremendous 60s experience. You know, we've called it psychedelic, certainly. Um, when you write these new songs, do you, um, are you going into it in a very fresh place or do you think 
or are you going in with this idea of, you know, we know who we are, we are the zombies, we we have to have a little bit of that sound, that classic sound too. Or is it just a brand new experience every time uh, for the, I guess, five or so albums you've done since 99? Well, you, I think you could say it's a random experience in some ways. We've always, right from the beginning in the 60s, we've tried to find the best songs we've got and record them in the best way that we can. It's, it's quite a simple formula, really. We've never tried to follow trends, ever. And I think in the long run, that really benefits you because otherwise you get caught in a certain era. And although people do talk about the 60s with us, they do talk about new albums as well. And of course, we are very much a touring band. And so we probably spend seven or eight months of the year on the road. Um, we're not we're not a band that uh, just plays their hits from the 60s. We play all these new songs. And one of the wonderful things is that people accept the new material as enthusiastically as they um, accept the hits from the past. So it's it's really a great, a great experience for us. Going back to what you said, there's no preconceived idea when we go into the studio, except yeah. we like to record things as live as we can. So all the band are in the studio at the same time. And a lot of the uh, a lot of the vocals, a, a lot of the backing tracks are one take live. I'm not sure if they all are, but most of them are. Mm. Uh, so in, we are almost, in fact, recording a live album, but in a studio environment. I mean, we never really pushed that, but while yeah. we're talking about it, 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 a lot of this album is live. Love that. Well, that keeps, uh, it, keeps it exciting. Uh, I'm sorry, Shane. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Dave. No, I was just going to say, I bet it, it, that, that's what keeps it, because we've talked to so many, uh, a few other artists, and they've said the same thing, that live experience, it just keeps it, you know, there's that natural excitement that's in there. Well, absolutely. I mean, it's one of the reasons, well, it's the main reason that keeps us going. We love writing, we love recording, we love performing. You know, there are parts of the music business, for instance, sometimes the... Um, Sometimes the travel can get a bit challenging. It sounds great, you know, to go to another country and travel around. But if you're doing five or 600 miles a day by road, um, it can get very tiring. And also, I mean, sometimes so when it's a long journey, we will sometimes fly. But nowadays, flying is almost as challenging as going by road. You know, we went through a, a period where we used to like to fly a lot. And now come back to let's go by road it's just simpler you know the, the bus picks us up at the hotel and it drops us at the hotel and there's mm. there's, there's nothing nothing to worry about in between mm. but um yeah i mean we're just a band that i loves the artistic side of what we're doing that's not to say that we consider we're good i'd like to hope that we're doing our best and it's for other people to judge uh the end result when we record or, or when we perform Speaking of going on the road, uh, can you just describe the cover of, of the new Zombies record, a different game? I mean, it, it, it's, it's it's hilarious, but I, I you feel I can feel your pain. Just kind of walk <laughs> us through what, what is going on in that cover. <laughs> well, it is quite interesting because we had quite in-depth talks about what the cover should be. And then... We just looked back at this picture and I mean there were there were quite a few pictures of this episode and thought you know that kind of sums up us um, and, and our, our adventures on the road so well we were traveling through the desert in Arizona and our engine caught fire on the on the bus this is not something that you want to happen obviously Oof, no 
luckily in time it, it, there wasn't a lot of damage done um so it, it, it was it could be fixed but we were stuck in the, the middle of the desert it was 107 degrees and we were probably wow. two or three hours from anywhere and because there were i think there were seven or eight of us in the bus and we were carrying some gear we also had some merchandise in there we actually needed three vehicles to get us away oh, wow. from that spot, which is not easy to arrange, but we've got a fantastic road crew, and particularly our, our road manager is a, a lady called Mariah. She's wonderful. And she got three vehicles to us and, and um, a disaster was averted. I did actually notice, and I, I asked some of the American people we were traveling with, there was some holes on the side of the road in, in the desert. I mean, there was no, uh, there was no what we would call pavement on the side. This was road, and then desert. There yeah. were some holes in the desert. And I said, what are, is this some kind of drainage thing? What are they, all these holes? And they said, no, they're snake holes. That's where the snakes oh, are. Oh, my. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. So I was thinking, I really hope we can get this sorted before it gets dark, because <laughs> I wasn't sure if the snakes would be coming out to play, uh, you know, once it got dark. That, that was a concern. But um, overall, this is, it, it's not exactly typical of what happens on the road, but these little challenges do show themselves and you have to learn how to how to get out of these fixes you just have to learn how to do it and how to cope with it luckily we weren't playing that night because we yeah. didn't get to the hotel till till quite late so we, we couldn't have played but we played the next night did the tow truck driver is he aware that he's going to be on the cover of an album <laughs> i don't think so no i think he was interested that it was the zombies and that it was a band but um we didn't know at that point that he was going to be featured on the album sleeve no it'd be interesting if, if and when he sees that what he thinks he could say i'm, I'm with the band <laughs> in a way yes, I'm with the band, yeah i will have to give him a couple of tickets next time we're, we're on our way to tucson yeah. and um, see if he wants to come it was a very interesting experience. Not one that I'm in a hurry to repeat, incidentally. Right. But uh... um, it, what does it mean to play live this day and age? Well, we had the pandemic, obviously, and that you know, uh, every I mean, live music was ground to a halt. It was very difficult for. I mean, Shane and I, we were doing the show. I think that's when we might have first talked with uh, you um, and and Rod. I think it was it was around that time. Um, but to be back performing live, I mean, does it? Does it feel extra special? Um, how much did you miss it in all that time? Um, I think, yes, we all missed it because we all love performing. And I think it makes the whole experience m much more real. If you're not, if you're not playing live, I'm not sure you're, you're really, in, but you're not in the same industry that the zombies are in anyway. I mean, there, there are bands that don't play live and, and, you know, that's up to them if that's the path they choose. But we we really love playing live. So of course we missed it. And it is it is extra special after that break to be back playing live. I have to say that the first time we played, it it was quite an experience, you know, and it's, it's something that you need to get into the habit of doing. And when you play after a two or three year break, yeah, there's a there's a certain feeling of anxiety <laughs> or just before you go on stage and it takes you a while to find your feet again. And I was very interested to to see how I felt. I think it took me three or four songs to start to feel a bit more uh, comfortable on stage, because to start with, I definitely felt um, 
a little unprepared you know after a three-year break but it soon comes back you just have to get through that period i liken it to sport really you know any sportsman who's been injured and comes back after a a year's break or something like that they're not going to their best game in the the first game they play and it's it's similar i think with the stage performances talking about performing you guys you know you record live in the studio how is it frustrating for you as, as a band that gives so much to live performance to see uh, there's a lot of bands using tapes now, a lot of bands that are lip syncing. Um, is that frustrating for you at all? Well, I don't know. I'm a bit sort of ambivalent to it, really. I, I, I think it's quite funny in some respects. I mean, I remember we played in the Philippines. It was a few years ago and the promoter was saying that a lot of the bands that make it to the Far East, they lip sync. And and um, he, he named a very, I, I'm not gonna say, but he named a very big artist who lip syncs. And I remember reading reviews about this guy and saying, he sounds as good as the record. Even after all these years, I thought, well, that's because they're playing the record. And I, I just thought, I thought it was funny really. Um, and I said to this promoter, don't, don't people know, don't, doesn't it affect them? And he said, they don't care. They just want to hear the songs. And you know, I can understand that, but we would never do that. I can't, I mean, we've probably been asked to lip sync at some point, but I can't remember. We would presume if someone asked us to do a TV that we were playing live. And um, I don't know if we would do a lip sync. It's. I sometimes think it's harder to do a yeah. lip sync than just to just play it, you know? Sure. So, I, you know, I, 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 I'm very sort of uh, free about these sort of things. I think people should just get on and do what they want to do. And as long as it makes them happy, then that's great. I'm only concerned with what we're doing. How great is it to see um, the zombies, you know, with, with six decades, there's so many generations of fans. I mean, uh, does, do you get a kick out of seeing, you know, young people um, singing the lyrics to um, n- not just the hits, but like you said, those songs that they've come to embrace over more recent years, but to see, you know, multiple generations of families in the audience. I mean, what does that feel like? It feels brilliant. I mean, it's one of the things that we do, often talk about ourselves is that we we are very cross the ages i can't think of a better way of putting it um cross generational is that is that a word um in our audience we have teenagers there and then all the way through to people who have followed us from when we first started in 1964 and i think that that's a really exciting prospect and it's it's it speaks very loudly of the music that we play, that we can appeal to people of all different ages. And when they sing this, all the lyrics with us, I'm amazed because we do play some obscure tracks sometimes, tracks that we've rediscovered ourselves. We've recorded and you know, forgot them many years ago. And you, in a sense, you have to relearn those songs yourself. And yet they know the words. And I'm, I'm intrigued, how do they know the words? And also sometimes I'm a bit intimidated because if it's an obscure track, there is a likelihood I could lose the lyric at any time, but they know the lyrics. So I have to be very careful and try and get the lyrics um, as accurate as I possibly can. If I do lose my way, I always say, Ling, sing loud and look confident. Sing loud, look confident. And then hopefully they think they've got it wrong and I've got it right. And that's just my little secret. That's a good formula. I like it. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. Yesterday, uh, I don't want to date the show, but Valentine's Day, you released uh, "Love You While I Can." Um, beautiful ballad. What is there? Uh, would you mind talking about possibly a meaning behind that song? Well, um, obviously, this is a song that was written by Rod Argent, and he does tend to want to keep a meaning to his lyrics right. close yes because he'll always say that a lyric means what it means to you i mean yeah. there will be a meaning for him probably um i know that this song was written for we we have a joint managers at the rocks management chris and cindy and they got married just before the pandemic and this song was written for that marriage as oh, it wow. happened we didn't perform it because it's it's really strange. There are some quite complicated songs on this album, which I found comparatively easy to learn and to perform. This song I really struggled with. I shouldn't really tell this story because it's a story against myself, isn't it? But um, it was written for the for this marriage, and I just couldn't get the song together. So we had to sing a couple of other songs instead. We we sang some some old uh, classic. I think we sang "This Will Be Our Year." That's what we sang, which is a real wedding song. A lot of people uh, have "This Will Be Our Year" at their weddings. Um, so this song was written for our our manager's recent wedding, and um, and then we didn't perform it. I'm and I apologize from the bottom of my heart, and it was my fault. Well, now it's kind of, now it's a gift so yeah you know <laughs> i mean it's on the album and they know it was written for them yeah that's so beautiful it, it was written from the heart and it is a gift for them we always i think forget that um legends like yourself you know you're 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 all human and there's it can be a challenge to learn a song or it could be a right i mean there's there's i mean these are these are human uh your creations and there's there's struggle and, and, and great art, you know, and, and obviously the zombies are known for tremendous art. What is it like to, um, as a musician to, and, and maybe it's learning some of those, uh, relearning some of those obscure songs too, but what, what's that process like when you're, you're getting ready to build a set list, you're going on the road and you're digging back and, and you're trying to, you, you have to relearn songs. I mean, people, some people think maybe, oh, you know, you've known these songs your whole life, but that, that's not the way it is, right? You have to go back and you have to learn the material again sometimes. Well, sometimes you do. Um, what I've, I, I liken it myself to if a song's in the computer, which I, I guess is my head, if I've learned it, it will come back quickly. It's, it's not a problem, especially if I've performed it. Maybe not so much if we just recorded it, but if I've performed it, it comes back really quickly. But um, learning new songs, we have a, a way of doing it in the band. Rod lives quite close to me. He's the, the dominant writer in The Zombies. And when he's written a song, uh, he'll call me and I'll go down and we just uh, rehearse the song around the piano, the two of us. And we're very, um, we're very conscious of the phrasing uh, of any song. And I will, I will write the lyrics out or he writes them out for me or whatever, but then I'll mark those lyrics with the phrasing and I will try and sing it as accurately as I possibly can. I'm not improvising when I record. Uh, I, I know exactly the phrasing that I want, and I tr and I try to achieve it. Every breath, every push note, every note on the beat has been rehearsed. Um, it's one of the things that I dread when Rod says to me, "Can you sing that phrase a bit more on the beat?" And I think, 
I thought I was singing it on the beat. <laughs> now there's a problem, you know. Yeah. So um, that's how we start. And then um, we, we call the band in. And of course, they'll make contributions. And, and the, the song's growing all the time. But it's, it will stay, the, the basis of the song will almost always stay the way Rod has written it. He writes the song in a very full way. He knows what the, the bass line's going to be. He's usually got a pretty good idea what the drums are going to play. Uh, he certainly knows what the melody is. He doesn't sort of say, well, these are the chords, just sing a melody over it. It's not like that at all. He's got a very precise idea of, of what the, what the, how the song should be recorded. Uh, Colin, we lost a lot of uh, legends in the last couple of months. Um, David Crosby, Jeff Beck, Christine McVie. Um, any thoughts on... On, on any of their passings that did you ever get to work with meet any of them um any memories do you know uh, of those three people i've i've admired from afar but i've never worked with any of them and of course it's always you think with with icons like that that they're going to go on forever and it's always yeah. a shock always a shock um but i didn't know any of them personally but of course it's it's a huge loss to to music lovers um who would have hoped that they would have gone on for years yet writing and recording new material it's also i mean a rather sobering thought for anyone who's grown up in the music business in the way they have and the way i have and it makes you realize you know you don't have forever and it, it certainly brings home to you that you you've got to take you know, these years are a real gift. We didn't think we would be recording and touring at this time in our lives. This has been a wonderful surprise for us. And, and we've got to treasure these years and give it everything we've got because no one knows. I mean, I don't want to be, I don't want to be doomy, but no one knows what the future holds, do they? And, and these tragic deaths, for instance, the three you've just mentioned, that brings it home to you that you've got to get on with it. Yeah, we, we feel that way. We, uh, David Crosby, we were blessed to talk with him on the show uh, just about two months or so before he passed. And it's been very sobering for us as fans. And I can only imagine as you as, a, as an artist, your peers, very sobering, like you said, for yourself, too. I mean, it's, it's just um, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. It is. And it does. Um, it is funny, isn't it? We do somehow think that these wonderful artists are going to go on forever. So perhaps it's a rem reminder to all of us that we should treasure the, the artists that we have at the moment and um, really appreciate everything that they're doing because all artists give it everything they've got. They're all trying their hardest to write the most beautiful songs they can and to record them to the best of their ability. And I just think we should really appreciate them because no artist is here forever. Should we change the subject? Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, could, could, uh, you know, one thing we were curious about, um, too, and I was just looking at, you know, we always like to look, I like to look at the release dates and, you know, as we do research, we, you know, Odyssey and Oracle, 55 years uh, this year. Is that right, Shane? I think 55 years um, yeah. coming up. Do you, um, is there a plan to maybe celebrate that as part of this this tour? Um, you know, I, I imagine, of course, we'll play songs from the album, but what does it mean to you 55 years of, of such a landmark? Well, it's, it's incredible that all that time has gone. I can remember those sessions vividly. Unfortunately, yes, they say my time of life, I don't remember yesterday all that well, but I remember <laughs> recording that album. Us and being too. An Us yes. too. 
It's happening. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know the feeling. Uh, I re remember recording. It was a it was a lovely uh, sunny summer, and we were in Abbey Road, obviously Studio Three. Peter Vince was the engineer, it, and, and Jeff Emmerich did some of the tracks as well. And uh, it was great. You know, we we rehearsed really really hard so we could go in there and record quickly we had such a small budget we had to record really fast but as i say, I, I remember it vividly and at the end of the album my feeling was that we'd done the absolute best we could um but but unfortunately it, it wasn't a commercial success it wasn't even a critical success it was to a large extent ignored at the time and it's just one of those mysteries that over the years it's just got more and more recognition um, I think of Tom Petty in the States, who's been writing and talking about that album for years and years and years. And, and over here, um, Paul Weller has done the same thing quite recently. In the last few weeks, he said it in, in the press, it was his favourite album of all time. And it does wow. seem to have got huge recognition over the years. And, it, it you know, it just seems it's a, it's a fantastic mystery, but it is a bit of a mystery because no one's been promoting it. No one's been marketing it, and year on year it sells more and more. I don't understand it, but but it's but I'm not questioning it. I, I you know I'm I'm very pleased that what's happening is happening. Uh, Sunday's put out a really nice uh, anniversary edition last year, a fiftieth anniversary edition of of one year. Uh, had fourteen extra tracks on it. Um, oh. It's just. What, what, where, where was your mind? Where were you? Where was your headspace when you were recording that record? Because I, it almost like compliments. It's almost like a zombies record in many ways, obviously, because you're the voice. But it still has that feel because Rod and Chris were involved on several tracks. Yeah. Um, the acoustic tracks just blew me away. Uh, just uh, where were you at that point? You know, coming off of the zombies and, and making this wonderful record. Well, I had made a few records in yeah. what I would consider quite a contrived environment. Um, and I'd had some success in, in the charts in the UK. It's, it's so interesting to me that, um, you know, the charts in the UK are sometimes <laughs> are quite different to the charts in the States. But of course, as we travel, the charts would be different in France. Scandinavia and you have to keep on top of what songs were hits where but I had a top 30 single after the zombies but then it had tapered off a bit and I was coming home from a party with Chris White and the original bass player in the zombies and he said to me listen why don't you come and record with Rod and me and um, we can record a solo album with you we've got a production company it's all set up and it just seemed ideal to get the old team back together again. And I think it really helped me that I was working with people that I knew so well. You know, I, Rod and I had already been in the band since 1961, although our first out, uh, single was in 64. So I, there I was back in Abbey Road where we recorded Odyssey and Oracle, Studio Three, Three. Peter, Peter Vince engineering, Rod and Chris producing. I think that really helped me to feel secure because this is my first experience of being a solo artist um about hot no about after about a third of the album we start we decided to do something very different uh we wanted to do some string interpretations of beautiful songs and we were introduced to a wonderful arranger called chris gunning who just turned the album around he took these sort of 
Bartok-like arrangements which he'd written to contemporary songs. And it, it made the album unique. I've never heard anything like that up until that point. And actually, I've never heard anything since. Yeah. And it really surprised me that one of those tracks, a great Denny Lane song called Say You Don't Mind, it was played, although it sounds like a quartet, it's actually a 21-piece string orchestra. It's a big orchestra. Um, and I thought it was a very unlikely choice as a single. I mean, our radio is not too different to yours. You can imagine a string yeah. orchestra being played on the radio, but it was, and it was a top 20 single. It, it, it did. I love the song and I, lo I love the record, but it did quite surprise me. And so there I was in 1971, um, having the, the Zombies had finished, I started a solo career and I had a hit record and I was off and running as a solo artist. Yeah, yes. the, the Sing Your Own Song, uh, this is just a follow-up, Dave. Just, yeah, uh, is, is that, what's the story behind that song, Sing Your Own oh, Song? Oh, that particular song. I mean, yeah. I should just say that they did reissue one year, as you rightly said. Yeah. Um, it was actually Chris White's sons were cataloging a lot of Chris White's song. Uh, Chris White's sons were cataloging a lot of his songs. Chris has written many, many songs. And they were going through the attic and they found some tapes that had my name on them. I'd completely right. forgotten about them. And the majority of what I think all of the songs on the second album, the acoustic demos, were found in Chris's attic. And some of them oh. I, I really didn't recognize him when we played them. One of those songs was called Sing Your Own Song. When the zombies finished, uh, we actually finished in the summer of 1967, although we had hits after that. Um, there was a bit of a vacuum because there was no band. And the music business hates a vacuum. So they kindly filled it with three zombies who had absolutely nothing to do with us. And they were getting quite a lot of attention. Uh, I I don't know how good they were. That some of the reviews were a little bit <laughs> middling about some of the bands. Um, but but Chris White was in Rolling Stones offices, and they said, "Listen, we've got the number for the manager of one of these imposter zombies. We want you to phone him from Rolling Stone, so he thinks he's talking to a Rolling Stone journalist." and see what he's got to say about this band. And so the guy started talking to Chris and he said, our band really is to honor the death of the lead singer of the zombies. We, we want to dedicate, de dedicate our, our band and our performances to the life of the lead singer of the zombies. And that article appeared in Rolling Stone. So I was reading an article in many ways, about my death, which, thank heavens, was a little bit premature. And um, <laughs> I just got this idea of writing this song, although it, it was never released as a song at the time. It was considered, but it didn't make the cut, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like there was a fake Deep Purple, wasn't there, at one point in, like, the uh, 1980s? I, I, think it's, I think I remember yeah. reading something about that. Well, you know, um, there was, a, yeah. later on, there was yeah. a, another fake yeah, song. Like, yeah. There was yeah. another zombies in the 80s. And I'll just tell you a little story about them. Yeah, please. We, we actually tried to stop them. It's not as easy as you might think, but I went sure. to the Union. Uh, I spoke to lawyers. I mean, not just me, we all did. And eventually this band stopped. I, I would add that they were getting terrible reviews, really <laughs> awful reviews. 
maybe if they had been got used of being a fabulous band, perhaps we would have just <laughs> let them carry on. I mean, you know, yeah. we've all been a living, yeah. but we're getting terrible reviews. So I thought quietly that my efforts with the Musicians Union and whatever else we've done had stopped them. But then I heard this somewhat sad story, and I'm not recommending anyone else does this as a way to 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 um, to get out of a difficult business situation. But after one of their performances, which, as I said, was not very good, they went back to the dressing room to find one of the fans waiting for them with a loaded gun. And he said, you are not the zombies. You will stop performing as the zombies. And they did. <laughs> now, wow. I, I don't recommend that way to to settle business arguments i really don't but it was very effective you you it might want to say you might want to say it was settled out of court so there we are that's how uh, that, my goodness me and yeah. um that was an english band playing in america so to hmm. see a gun, english people never see a gun I would think if the guy just showed them a gun, they would have passed out. I should think yeah, I would. Right. Oh me a gosh! Gun. Yeah, yeah. What? Um, where? Um, we were looking back, you know, and, and again, it's always fun when we look forward. We we listen to the new music, but we also look back and kind of for prep. And I, I went back to the um, the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame show. I think it was in 2019. I want to say, uh, such a brilliant show um, to perform in front of of icons who have grown up listening to the zombies i mean was that one of those pinch me moments just um oh it, absolutely um on the next you know we we were having a meal earlier on with all the other inductees and on the next table to us was janet jackson and her entourage and you you do start to think you do start to pin, pinch yourself but I, my wife was with us and and she said to me we went up and performed and when we performed all of Janet Jackson's entourage were on their feet and appreciating the original Zombies lineup. It's not the touring band now, the original Zombies lineup playing hits from 50 years ago, 60 years yeah. ago. It just shows, you know, that the, the sort of barriers that people put in music, whatever you want to call urban music, top, top 40, you know, all these barriers that people put up, musicians, they love all kinds of music. And, uh, you know, it's certainly true of me. I, I, somebody much wiser than me once said, there's only two kinds of music. It's good music and bad music. Yeah. And um, I think it's really true. And it, it really brought it home to me um, that night at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Everybody got on and um, the music was, was very different, the kind of music that they played. But it was all good music. And at the end, we all got together and played... Uh, all the young dudes, uh, yeah. which was fantastic. And I did backup vocals and Brian May came on and played. It was uh, with uh, Def Leppard. It yeah. was it was incredible. What a feeling. Very powerful, very powerful. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we've seen some of the, we've talked to some people that at the time, you know, before they went in, they didn't, they, they kind of put on a front and said, you know, it doesn't impress them that much. But afterwards, uh, different story. It, it's just a, I guess it's just, um, it's a club, you know, and you guys are in it and that's that, that's the way it works. Very special club. 
Absolutely. I mean, I always think with any awards or special clubs, if you like, the membership to that club, there's an element of luck. You know, it, it can't it can't be everybody. Otherwise, it wouldn't be special. And I, I know that there are other there are artists who haven't got inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and of course, deserve to be. Um, but when when your time comes and you are um, inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I would say, you know, cherish those moments and really enjoy it because to get recognition from your peers i think that that's what every artist really wants really looks forward to it's, it's what i want anyway to and that our music was recognized in that way was in, just incredibly exciting um and, and the, the night itself was a, a night you'll you'll never forget that's for sure it was absolutely brilliant. It was great. It's so great to watch and everybody on their feet. So great. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, when when you and, and Rod write, I mean, and you touched on this a little bit earlier, too, but um, what is it like knowing, I mean, you know, like you said that, you know, he, he you wished uh, he said he wishes you could sing in the beat more and you were trying to figure out that part um, to know each other so long and know each other's styles. Uh, when even though he does the, the dominant share of the writing, what what's that? Does that is that a comfort to know your musical partner like that? I mean, because sometimes some artists who have worked together for a long time, they still they discover little things that they didn't know before about someone's writing style. Like, um, what what's that like for you as you guys come together and and you know most recently working on this record? Well, I think you're always discovering new things, new ways of singing songs. For instance, I sometimes will find something new in, in one of those old classic songs. Um, I, I still get a thrill out of singing She's Not There and Time of the Season. I can still discover new things in that. But with Rod and I, it does feel very natural. Um, I know Rod has said that he learned to sing, to write songs for my voice. And I learned to sing professionally to his songs. So there's a real connection that can only happen to you in your formative years, really. I mean, if you meet a, a, a you know, someone in your thirties and someone's a dominant writer, someone's a dominant singer, um, it probably wouldn't be the same thing. We grew up together learning how to write and how to sing. So there is a really close connection um, when we go through songs. And I mean, he does definitely write for my voice. He knows the right keys. He knows if I if there's a weakness in my technique, then he will he'll try and write round it. Um, and also, he's very open to, you know, encouraging and making sure we get it right. He'll spend time, and I like that. I like to spend time so that we get it right, not just roughly what he had in mind. I try and get it as close as he wants as as he as he wants that that melody and and that song, and to get the feelings into the lyric that he was feeling. And we, we really put a lot of work into it. And that's the way I like to record. Yeah. Hey, Rod said this album was an absolute joy to make. Um, that's so refreshing. I mean, you guys have been doing this for so long and, and and you come together to work and it's just so much fun. I mean, it was, it was the same for you. Absolutely. I don't think we do it at this time in our lives. If it if it wasn't fun, if it wasn't what we enjoyed doing, um, we're very lucky in that. Actually, Rod moved house about I think it's about five years ago. He had a great studio in, and he recorded quite a few hits in that studio. But with moving house, of course, he had to rebuild the studio. He had to start from scratch because it's an old 
uh, combat, com, uh, converted barn and and uh, other farm uh, other farm buildings around it. So he had to start off by putting a new roof on what was the dairy of a farm, and then he had to have it acoustically treated uh, before he could even start about putting recording equipment in there. So it was a it definitely was a labor of love. But now he's got a, a wonderful studio at his home, and that's where we recorded and. As Rod said, that's just there for us. It's not going to be there for anybody else. So we were very fortunate um, to record at, at Rod's home in, in a very relaxed environment. It's great. Yeah, that's and the, the environment's everything, is it? I mean, how important is that? Is it? It seems like that you know, being comfortable in your environment in a creative space that has a lot to do with it. I would think. Well, it does for me. I think maybe some artists are not so susceptible to a cold environment, but it's certainly difficult for me. I, I have sung quite a few records as sessions where I've just walked in and sung. I can, I can do it, but I do find it quite challenging. I always remember with, uh, with Alan Parsons and Eric Wilson on, on the Alan Parsons project, the first couple of songs I sang for them, they sent me sort of a week before the session so I could live with the song and learn it. And after that, they just used to say, Eric would usually ring me and say, look, we, we've got a song we think you could sing. Come down to Abbey Road, we'll play it to you and we'll record it at the same time. <laughs> and that's that's quite a, a challenging thing to do, to, to go in, especially, you know, they're wonderful songs. They're incredibly successful artists. And um, you've got the responsibility of getting that song over um, to the public and, and you have very little time to listen to it. So there were two or three songs I did with them that I, that I did like that. It's interesting, a bit scary. <laughs> Do you have uh, any fond memories of, of recording old and wise? Well, I, do you know, I, I was leaving Abbey Road one day. This sounds like a commercial for Abbey Road, doesn't it? I keep mentioning Abbey Road. I was hey, it's a, it's, Abbey Road. They don't need my help, I don't think. No. Um, I was leaving with Eric Wilson, who wrote the majority of the Alan Parsons Project songs and music. And uh, we were walking past Studio 3, where we recorded Odyssey and Oracle. And he said, listen, I've got this song. Let me just play it to you. And the studio was empty. It was so funny, you know, so many memories going through my mind of recording there. And I recorded one year in that studio as well. I sat down at the piano and he played me old and wise and sang it from beginning to end. And I just thought that's such a beautiful song. I think Eric could have done a great job singing that himself. And I think he wanted to sing it himself. I think I've got this the right way around. And Alan wanted me to sing it might have been the other way around but i think it was eric wanted to sing it. he would have done a great job but I, I was i was thrilled that they wanted me to do it and i thought it was a special song i really did but i i don't think i fully appreciated it till i heard the finished track and that song has been very successful around the world and in some countries that we go to that will be if not our biggest song it will be one of the biggest songs we played i think especially of holland where um, we play quite a lot, and that is a really big song in Holland. It's yeah. it's it's a very emotional song, and when we play it, I can see in the audience people are really affected by that song. I'm affected by it when I perform it. Such a beautiful, deep song, sad song, but in a beautiful way. It's one of the songs that's embedded. It it embeds itself in a in a sort of 
popular culture. I mean, what is it like? I mean, there's one thing to have a hit, and you've had several hits, obviously. Um, but then to have songs like that, songs like you know, Time of the Season, of course, here in the States, I mean, to be embedded in, I guess, the bedrock of a culture, you know, uh, of a time and space, what, what does that feel like? Well, it is very interesting. I know, I know from, from personal experience, when people do films or TV shows about the 60s, they will very often use that song to represent the music of the 60s. It's it's very interesting, and I think it's uh, very heartening for us that these songs from 60 years ago um, are, are still being widely used um, in film uh, and commercials and, and so forth. And especially when we play it, of course, it brings the house down. And how wonderful to have such a big, a big reaction with an audience on a song that was recorded all those years ago. And, and, I, and I often say this, but to me, they sound as fresh and as relevant today as they did when they were recorded. And I, from the audience reaction, I think that's the same for everyone. It's so important for a band to, to release, some, hopefully some records that have, not just one, I mean, some records that have that kind of effect on their audience, because that will help give you a lifetime's career. And it's songs like that that have kept the zombies going, playing regularly all around the world to, you know, to major venues because we have songs like that. Um, She's not there. Time of the season. Tell her no. For some people, it's really important. We've got the album Odyssey and Oracle. Many of those tracks mean a lot to people, and then hopefully people um, are very aware of what we've done more recently. And of course, Rod and I have both recorded tracks away from the zombies. And it depends what country we're in. Yeah. But we can play quite a few hits from our other careers. Um, that's nothing to do with the zombies. As I said, depending on what country we're in, we have to we have to do our research. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's a wonderful, wonderful task. <laughs> I love that. Yes, it's very. It's, it just fascinates me that you know, in one country, this song will be known. Um, you know, in, in this country. I had a big hit with Dave Stewart with a song with uh, What Becomes of the Brokenhearted, a very right. electronic version of What Becomes of the Brokenhearted. And it, it was never a hit in America. In this country, it was a huge hit. Um, and then, of course, people might not realize that Rob was involved in Hold Your Head Up, which was a big hit for his second band, Argent. Yeah. That was a hit in America, but there's some countries where we played where that wasn't a hit. And we just have to be aware of what songs people will be expecting us to play. Talking about all these records, what 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 are some records besides your own that you that you cannot live without? Well, I think for me, the songs that I always return to the songs that I loved in my formative years, and it would be the singer songwriters of of the seventies, like uh, Jackson Brown, Joni Mitchell, and James Taylor. Maybe even say, although Carol King is is maybe even from the 50s, but one of the best concerts I ever saw was in the UK. And it was quite near to where I live at a place called Croydon, Fairfield Hall, and Carol King opened for James Taylor. Wow, what a breathtaking concert that was. One of the best concerts I've ever seen. So yeah, I would, I would think of, um, of that sort of era of, of songs that I always go back to. Uh, when I'm on the road, there's a, an English, singer-songwriter who I knew very well called Duncan Brown that I listened to a lot and another wonderful English singer-songwriter called Judy Zook who I listened to a lot 
Um, it's, it is mostly singer-songwriters, I think, when, yeah. you know, when I can choose the music I want to listen to. Who do you, um, is there anyone today who uh, grabs you any of the newer uh, artists today that... Uh... I, wrote, I wrote down who I was listening to last night. I hope I can read this. <laughs> I was listening online last night, just trying to pick up uh, some things that really appealed to me. And there's a, a singing group called Sheer Element. They're American. Mm. And they, they did a cover of Can We Talk? which was done by Tevin Campbell. It wasn't a hit in this country. Oh, yeah, okay. It was a hit yeah. in America. And we talked. And this, this singing group called Sheer Element, they did a breathtaking arrangement of that. Absolutely stunning. Uh, there's another guy called Teddy Swims, who is, is again, got... I'm, I'm really into vocalists. I mean, I, I like writers too, but being a singer, I, I'm, I'm into singers. And this guy called Teddy Swims, can he sing? Boy, and you know, there's there's a lot of uh, videos on on the internet of him singing, and he's obviously singing live. It's worth worth checking out. Sheer, Sheer Element and Teddy Swims. I was listening to last night. Fantastic. Well, that's good stuff. That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I always uh, David Crosby always had kind of an angelic voice. Were you a fan of his style? Because uh, you you both have that angel type, just that higher amazing the way yeah, he carried Mount. I, I was a fan of his i probably knew him better through uh crosby stills and nash to be absolutely honest sure but you know i'm i am really a fan of of singer songwriters who can go out there and play their songs with with just a guitar or just a piano it i i just really enjoy that kind of music and and of course i was a fan of his yeah yeah there's something to be said for that like saw a performance of pop staples recently where he's yeah. just him and, him and a guitar and, and your hair stands up. Yeah. I, I just wish I was a better guitarist. I know <laughs> I was, I was the original rhythm guitarist in the zombies, but I think the zombies <laughs> and I both realized it was time to move on. And, um, so I, I stopped playing the guitar way, way back in the early sixties, but I mean, I still play to write. And on my solo yeah. albums, I, I write quite a few of the songs on there. But mm. as far as performing on guitar, I know people have, have asked me to do it. And, you know, maybe one day I will. But um, I really would be stepping into the unknown. I'm, I seem to be incapable of playing a song all the way through in one go. <laughs> I, play, <laughs> I can play quite complicated um, compositions but I never quite get to the end. And uh, <laughs> I think audiences could get a bit impatient because obviously the concert would probably, an hour and a half concert might take, you know, four or five hours if I was playing the guitar. <laughs> I keep stopping and going back. But we'll see. I would love to do some solo shows with just a guitar. I would love to. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Very interesting. It'd be a, yeah. a very, very intimate. <laughs> It'd be very intimate. Maybe yeah. I could just play half songs to people very intimate i'm just going to play you half of <laughs> and hopefully i get through them <laughs> well what's next for the summers right now i mean you're on the road right i mean just kind of tell us what's next in the the days and months uh, ahead as you celebrate this wonderful wonderful new album uh, coming out on march 31st i believe that's right um well the zombies will be going back to america in a couple of weeks time uh, we will be um playing on a music themed cruise called, called flower power um, then we'll be playing dates across the southern states. Um, 
and then we'll be going to South by Southwest, which we've been to before in Austin. It's a wonderful experience. If anybody gets a chance to go, you you have to go. Um, for a whole week, Austin is just taken over by music. There are bands in every pub, bar, any shop, go anything. There are bands yeah. playing. It's, it's a wonderful experience. And also, they're going to launch. Uh, I, I'm forget now whether I'm supposed to actually say this or not, but I've started, so I'll carry on. Um, they're going to um, premiere uh, a documentary on the zombies, um, which has been filmed over the last year or so. So that's going to wow. we, ha we haven't seen any of it. So it's going to be very exciting. And <laughs> probably we're all going to be quite anxious what's in there because you they film for hours on end. In this room where I'm sitting, they came and yeah. filmed me. Mm talking for five hours oh wow so wow. obviously they're not going to use the whole five hours so but i you know they'll remember they'll they'll just edit little bits out of there and you you start to think afterwards what what did i say what, what did i say <laughs> no, I couldn't have said that and so um we'll see how it goes but I, i'm really looking forward to it and they were they were a wonderful film crew very very professional very very supportive because obviously it's a little bit strange sitting there for hours on end talking about your whole life but they were very sure. supportive and they made it very easy yeah there's those are special thing i can't wait wait to see that yeah can't i can't wait, wait either <laughs> <laughs> does it have a working title yeah it's hung up on a dream okay. which is one of the titles of the songs on odyssey and oracle it's a great song one of my favorite songs on the album i love it well, this is uh, this is. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Uh, I mean, this has been such a wonderful, wonderful chat. It's so wonderful catching oh, up. We've covered most of the points I can think of. I've really enjoyed <laughs> it. I always enjoy enjoy doing interviews where you're just having a conversation. You know, yeah. it's just like I wish we were all in the same room in the same way as when we recorded the album. It would be great if we were all in the same room, but you know, it's just been a very relaxed and very enjoyable conversation. So, thank you both very much for making this so easy. Thank Absolutely. you. Thank you. Please uh, give our best to, to Rod. Uh, we'll do. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll do. Yeah!